The Old Testament reading for this, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the book of Genesis, the 18th chapter. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And this is the word of the Lord. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Their voice has gone out to all the earth. The epistle reading comes from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. You, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel that serves as the text for our sermon this morning 
comes to us according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Ask the average person what church is, and they'll answer that it's when we gather together as Christians, when we sing out God's praise, when we glorify God, when we worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And those answers are all correct. Correct, but insufficient. Certainly in church, we do do all of those things. But when we use those things to define what church is, notice who's standing at the very center of it. We are. All of those definitions focused on what we do. Our singing, our praise, our giving, our gathering. We're the ones doing the doing. We're the ones making it church when we use those definitions. And that's not the way we should think of it. If we think that church is about our service to God, it will never be good enough. I mean, it's not bad to serve God. And yes, we are called to do that. Absolutely, we sing God's praises when we come together in church. Absolutely, we profess our faith to the world. Absolutely, when we gather together on Sunday mornings, we are glorifying God and we are worshiping him. But we're sinners, and we're never going to do it perfectly. We're never going to do it well enough. And so we don't put ourselves at the middle. Like Martha in our gospel reading, sometimes our good works, the service that we do to the Lord, can get in the way of actually hearing God's word. Mary and Martha, they knew who Jesus was. They believed in him. They recognized him as the long-awaited Messiah. And so to have him come to their village, to have them come to their home, was an honor. It was a great blessing. And Martha wanted to treat such an honored guest right. She wanted everything to be just so. Wanted to get out the fine china, cook the best meal, make everything perfect for Jesus. She wanted to honor God. But what happened was she became so wrapped up in what she could do for him that she failed to recognize what Jesus was doing for her. Jesus had come to her house. He had blessed her with his presence, and he was teaching in her living room, sharing the word of God himself, giving her explanations and understandings from the very source of that word. But Martha didn't recognize that. Martha was so busy worrying about what she could do 
that she unknowingly turned away from what God was doing. When our focus is on ourselves, when it's on what we do for God, when it's on our service, we too can lose sight of what he does for us. Even when these things are rooted in faith, even when they have nothing but good intentions, our works can become a stumbling block to our faith. Our sinful pride can take over, and what is meant to be something to glorify God instead becomes something to glorify ourselves, and it can all distract us from what actually matters. We can be so concerned with the church's finances that we start to run it like a business instead of God's gift to our community. We can get so tied up in all the little details of the church building, how clean everything should be, what color the carpet should be, what the thermostat is set at, which brand of paper towels we should use, that we forget the fact that it's God's house, not because of how great we make it look, but because he himself comes to us here. We can get so focused on making glorious music that church can become nothing but a concert and a chance to showcase the talents of our congregation. We can get so obsessed with publicly professing our faith and declaring our dedication to God that we make ourselves the center of attention on Sunday mornings, patting ourselves on the back for how good we are. We can get so wrapped up in the mechanics of the service of doing the liturgy and singing the hymns and speaking the words in just the right way, that we actually lose sight of what the liturgy and the hymns and the entire service actually do for us. Do you know why our Sunday morning liturgies are called divine service? It's not because the liturgy itself is divinely inspired. It's certainly not because the singing is always divine. It's because this is where the divine, God himself, comes to serve us. Jesus says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And this is still true today. God loves to hear our prayers and our praises. He loves to receive our worship. The fact is, he doesn't need those things. He is no less God if we don't sing out. He says, even if all the people in the world are silenced, the rocks themselves cry out his glory. Now we, on the other hand, we desperately need the gifts that God gives us here each and every day. And God loves to deliver them to us freely. God, the almighty creator of all things, king of kings and lord of lords, gladly, willingly comes to you at this altar to care for you, to serve you, and to give you all that you need. Church is not about what you can give to God, but what he gives to us. That's what's at the core of every Sunday service. That's what makes church, church. It's about God coming to us, gracing us with his presence, delivering to us his word and his sacraments, forgiving us of our sins. Everything that we bring to the table, it's good, but that's simply in joyful response to what God first does 
for us. And if he did not come to us here, if he did not forgive us of our sins, we would have nothing to sing about, nothing to give glory for. When we realize that church is about God's service to us, well, there will never be anything better. Now, yes, there is a time to serve the Lord with gladness. It wasn't wrong for Abraham to make all those preparations to honor God when God came to him. It wasn't wrong for Martha to be putting forth her best for Jesus. It isn't wrong for us Christians to do Christian deeds and glorify God and worship him. Serving God is what we are called to do all throughout our lives each and every day as we proclaim his goodness and grace through our actions toward others. Those are good things. But here, in this special place, as we gather in God's presence, we are blessed to sit in the word, to sit at the feet of God himself and be served by Almighty God. Here we put aside the burdens of the world outside and rest in God's temple. Here we can set aside the wondering if we're doing enough and good enough because the answer is always no, you're not. And yet God comes to you freely and graciously. Here we sinners receive God's words of grace and love and forgiveness even though we don't deserve it. Here God comes to us in his very flesh and blood to nurture us, to strengthen our faith, to give us what we can receive nowhere else. Here we are blessed to be cleansed of our sin freely and always. It doesn't matter how well we sing. It doesn't matter how eloquently we clear or clearly we speak the liturgy. It doesn't matter how spiffy we look. Certainly we want to put forth our best. We want to glorify God. We want to give him the respect and reverence that he deserves. But that's not what church is all about. Church is about God himself coming to us, delivering to us the good news of salvation. When Jesus Christ came to us in the flesh, it wasn't to demand more offerings, to demand more worship or better praise. He was worthy of all of those things, and we joyfully give those things. But those were merely in response to what he did for us. And what he did was take away our guilt, spare us from the fires of hell, cleanse us of our iniquity, forgive us of all of our sin. Not by teaching us how to live better or glorify his name more. Again, we want to do those things, but we'll never be able to do them well enough to save ourselves because we are sinners. And so Jesus came to serve us, to lay down his life for us, to sacrifice everything that he has, everything that he is, so that we could be set free from sin, death, and the devil. On the cross, Jesus Christ served you by paying the penalty of your sin. At the empty tomb, Jesus Christ served you by breaking the chains of death that bind you. Each and every day, Jesus Christ serves you by interceding for you before the Father, declaring you innocent by his blood, washing away your sins through the eternal waters of baptism. And here, in this holy building, when we gather together as a congregation, and wherever two or three are gathered in his name, 
Jesus Christ himself comes, not to be served, but to serve you. To deliver to you his word. To cleanse you of your sin. To strengthen you in the one true faith. And to give you the eternal blessings of his word and sacraments. It is good to worship God. It is good to sing his praise and to serve him. But it is even better and far more needful to receive that which he so freely gives to us. Our songs of praise, our confessions of faith, they're not what church is all about. They're simply what flow out of us naturally in response to what God gives us each and every time we gather here as his children. Those gifts, his word of salvation, his cleansing waters of baptism, his true body and blood, that's what church is about. Here he comes to serve us to give us what is needful, to deliver to us what we can receive from no other source. Serve the Lord with gladness, to be sure, but be served by him with even greater gladness. Receive with joy the eternal gifts that he delivers here. Rest, sit at the feet of the Lord, and hear his words of eternal life, that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, You are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.